Hello, fellow listeners. Welcome to Food for Thought, where we inspire you to think and feed you knowledge that can be applied to your everyday life. I'm your host, Juan Cruz. And before we get this podcast started off, I wanted to advertise uh, for two different, um, I guess you could say, businesses. So the first one would be for ADT Commercial, and uh, it's for... um, for any commercial business that wants to begin to put security inside their business. Now, I am a business owner and that's a big worry for me. Most of all, I have my own family and that's my number one priority over all things. And I actually have ADT myself and I love it. Um, also, it's very important who you get for you to do the consultant for your ADT um, because Every time that you have a salesman that comes in to do any kind of security work, what happens is they try to sell you the world on everything. And um, for this commercial uh, ADT uh, security system, uh, I I want to advertise for Joseph Cruz because uh, he does a real honest uh, job and I'm not saying this only because he's my brother and, I, and you know many of you have heard him on the podcast. He's the oldest of seven, so it kind of naturally gave him this uh, I guess you could say this like worry factor because he's the oldest brother always kind of looking out for the rest of them. And he does a great job. He's very honest uh, about how he does uh, sales. Um, there's moments where he has told me that uh, when he used to work at different jobs that it would eat him up when certain deals would be done. He worked at a car dealership, he said one time, and he said that deals would get done, that it kind of would eat his conscience up when he would uh, go home. And he ended up leaving. Um, he ended up doing a few different things, but he's very honest about his work. you know. And I tell you that from a first person that I heard this. Uh, but the reason why you should choose ADT and, and to do it specifically with him is because for the ADT commercial, there's some very important things that I actually, I myself didn't know, but they provide for the burglary. Uh, so any intrusion, any break in, anything that happens, you know, the alarm goes off. They protect from windows, doors. I mean, all kinds of things, sensors, cameras, you name it. Uh, also access control. So any kind of entry, whether it be fingerprint, um, whatever it may be, uh, cardless entry, phone, uh, whatever it may be, they can provide access control. Also, video surveillance, they give you all that. And fire. And, and many more other things. I'm just giving you the four main ones. But the reason why you should go with ADT and, and me doing some of my research and then also finding out that ADT is one of the few companies in the United States that has that doesn't outsource anything. So... If you have a security system and you are with another company, more than likely they're outsourcing their engineers, they're outsourcing the the, um, the sales, they're outsourcing the techs, and even the the monitoring the monitor, monitoring systems. So all those are 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 usually one of those are being outsourced, which is dangerous and. Coming to do my research a little bit, that's sometimes how people get their houses robbed. Because eventually, they'll one of these people will eventually uh, 
find a place and they'll sell off some information for somebody, you know, because they get desperate like everybody, you know, does maybe at some point in their lives and they need the money and it's an easy way to make cash. So when you're outsourcing, it's easier for things and information to fall out of line. And ADT does an amazing job with this. Uh, most places will only have one server too. Uh, and if that goes down, it kind of takes a while for it to reboot. While ADT, they have their server, and if that one shuts down, it automatically outsources out to another server, which is it's, it's interesting too. So uh, ADT really does an amazing job. And also, if you have in your commercial already a security system and you're already paying a lot of money or... Um, Maybe you haven't liked the job that they've done or they take a long time for the police to get there. Well, call ADT and they'll actually work with you with already your security system. So they don't actually stick with one vendor, which is another problem with uh, a lot of different security systems. They actually what they'll do is they specifically try to sell you on one vendor because either it's too much on one side or they just want to make the money. While ADT says if you have this well then we'll work with that one so they don't stick with just one vendor because that's what makes them the most money they work with whatever you have whatever works best for you customize for you whatever it is that you want so that's a big thing uh and then lastly adt is very well trained every adt uh sales rep and consultant does is very well trained uh if you talk to other different sales reps, they will actually, uh, you ask them questions, because most people, before they go out to buy something, a majority of people will actually do the research on the things that they're buying. And you have the few people who will ask the sales rep, and those are the ones that usually tend to get, uh, I guess, chipped off. I don't know, uh, what's the word? But uh, they'll get screwed over. And it's because they don't do the research. So usually when uh, I, when I started asking around for different security systems for, for my house, uh, I started finding out that a lot of people didn't know the information. And ADT, their sales rep know everything. I mean, very few times that they, that they don't. So that's also another interesting point. So anyways, if you are looking to get security for your commercial, Call Joseph Cruz at 970-702-0594. Or you can email him at Joseph Cruz, that's J-O-S-E-P-H-C-R-U-Z at A-D-T dot com. So check him out. Also, for the next advertisement, I also wanted to advertise for this couple, um, that's a really nice couple. They're very honest, hardworking. And if there's somebody that we want to support, we want to support the small local families um, because the quality tends to be good and they can make things more customized. Sometimes you go out, and I tell you this because I have looked around like crazy for customized Patriots things. Now, my wife got me this gift for uh, this Patriots logo. I was trying to look for a Patriots logo, something Patriots that was just kind of unique. I'm, I always like unique things. Um, and my wife got me this beautiful Patriots logo and she put the motto of our business on the bottom, which was nice because on the bottom of the 
Patriots logo, it says, cause we are that good. And that's the motto of our business. And she got me probably, I'm going to say about two feet, uh, long by a foot height, maybe I'd say, or maybe a little bit bigger than that. And it says it's the Patriots. And, uh, she got that customized by this this business and it's called crafty flowers the crafty flowers and you can check them out on instagram and right now especially for all the sports nfl fans they're doing customized wooden logos for whatever team it is that you want uh i mean it doesn't even have to be football it can be baseball basketball uh hockey soccer whatever it is um but you can check them out they do all custom work and right now they're doing uh they'll put they have these cool like uh last name they'll put the last name and they'll put the the name of the business the the name of the family and then it's kind of cool they'll put like established and then the day that you were married and they'll put like we have one it's called it says uh the cruise family and then it says established 2011 but it's kind of unique, you know, they can kind of play around with the uh, font, the colors, the wood that it gets put on. Uh, they also have, if you are a churchgoer, they can put the prayers, the Our Fathers, um, the Shema's for the Jewish, uh, for w w whatever it is that you want, they, they'll put the, the prayer on this beautiful piece of wood and they'll stain it a beautiful way and then they'll put it in a beautiful font uh kind of different ways and, and it looks very nice um also they're doing christmas ornaments so we're probably if i'm not mistaken about two months away from christmas right now but this is a good time to start advertising this for christmas ornaments customized christmas ornaments also they put them uh, names um and they also do puzzles for kids so kids puzzles they're doing that right now names uh pretty much anything on their instagram page if you like it they can do something like that or customize you kind of just need to message them tell them what you're looking for and they'll get it done and it's a good couple and um we need to support this i mean uh support families that are trying to live virtuous lives and do good with their money so that's why I'm supporting the Crafty Flowers. So check them out on Instagram. Great products, great stuff. If something breaks, something goes wrong, I've known for them to actually, if you send it back, they will uh, fix it and have it sent back to you, even if it's a loss for them. They just want to do right by the products that they stand by, which is a great thing. So check them out. I got one of their products. You know me, I won't advertise it if I myself don't have it. So I have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think we have three of their things now. So, and, and I love I love their stuff. I truly do, I love it. So check them out. The Crafty Flowers on Instagram. Uh, so now with this, let's get started with the podcast. So I'm going to Disney in about one month and 11 days i know that because i have a countdown app on my phone so one month and 11 days my family we are a big disney family we love um to since i was more or less 12 i think i'm gonna say that we went to disney for the first time maybe younger than that 
and it was amazing. We loved uh, Disney and started looking up a lot of the history, a lot of the different things, how they kind of grew. Um, also had family and many friends that worked at Disney and it was just interesting. Uh, since a little kid, it always kind of captivated me. So I decided I love psychology. I love sociology. I love understanding how the mind works. I love reading about all of these things. So I decided to do my take on a few dis different Disney movies. So that's this what this podcast is going to be about. So the few Disney movies that I'm going to be doing is going to be Mulan, Maleficent, Aladdin, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, and Rapunzel. So I could do this with many more different movies, but these are the ones that kind of caught my attention. And um, I definitely had to do Beauty and the Beast. I grew up with that. Uh, Aladdin and Lion King. Those are my three favorite movies. I mean, anybody who's around my age, those were your favorite movies. I mean, you kind of grew up on that. I would uh, rewind and watch these movies over and over and over and over on VHS. So it was it's definitely one of my top movies. So let's start off with Mulan. Um, I think it's kind of a nice uh, segue from my last podcast. I hope you checked out my last podcast. A lot of people said that they they love the last podcast and it was interesting. Maybe one day I'll delve a little bit more into it, but it's a nice segue because it with Mulan, it's it's interesting. Now, if you if you haven't heard the last podcast, check the last podcast out and then enter into this one uh, right at this um, at this point. So we're at about 13 minutes, close to 14. So 13 minutes and 58 seconds, more or less. So pause it. Go listen to the, to the last podcast and then jump in back into this one. So it'll kind of give you a little bit more uh, uh, perspective on this. So Mulan, the story of Mulan goes like this. I'm just going to give quick overviews of all the different movies. The story of Mulan goes that Mulan um, was a girl. She was a little bit rebellious. But uh, a moment comes when the emperor wants every single uh, citizen to enter, to, to send one man of each family to fight uh, against this evil enemy that has come back to attack China to take over some territory. Now, what happens is uh, Mulan's family only has one man, one male, and the male is the father. And the father is old at this point. He's walking around with a cane. And you see this in the cartoon version, and you also see this in um, the real-life uh, depiction of the movie. Now, you see how once... Uh, the soldiers come in and ask for one family. The father comes along and he grabs, you know, his uh, his letter from the emperor and he accepts it. Now, the family is a little bit distraught and they're scared for the father that he's going to die entering to this war because of his old age. So Mulan, when they go to sleep and before the father is about to go off in the middle of the night, she wakes up. She grabs the father's sword. Right. Um. Which, which the sword represents a lot, you know. Uh, so she grabs the father's sword and she takes the armor, 
she takes the horse and she goes off. Now, then she goes off into the camp to be trained for war. Now, while she's at camp, she's trying to hide her identity because in that time, in the time frame of which Mulan was made, uh, only men could enter into war. But of course, she's willing to go against that to, to protect her father because she loves her father. Uh, she hides her identity. Eventually, they find out her identity. Well, let me rewind a little bit. During, in, in the real life uh, depiction of the movie, they have three different things that they stand by in China, which is loyal, loyalty, bravery, and truth. Now, you see this constantly within the movie. Loyalty, bravery, truth. Loyalty, bravery, truth. But the third one is the main one. So you see in the real life depiction how um, at the end, they're about to go off to go uh, protect the land and to fight this war. And as they go off, the man, the general stands up and he says, you know, you will swear by these loyalty. And everybody uh, chants back loyalty, bravery. They chant back bravery, truth. Now she does the first two. But she doesn't even dare to speak the last one, which is truth, because she has been living a lie. She's been acting like a man when she's really a woman. Now, Disney did a, a, a great job in my eyes on this last movie of Mulan. So she doesn't chant. Eventually, you know, uh, in the real life depiction, there's this witch and this witch is on the side of this evil, um, this evil, uh, what's his name again? Which is uh, Bori Khan, which is in the real life depiction one. But uh, in the cartoon one, I think it's Shan Yu. Um, I really didn't get too much deep into that because that's a little bit besides the point. So uh, she goes and she fights the witch while everybody's in the battlefield she's fighting off the witch in the side because she sees you know that these kind of like ninja figures are kind of going off into the distance and she 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 chases after them now when she's fighting the witch the witch says something very interesting she says to her she says what is your name and she lies she lies about her name and then the witch says again what is your name and she lies about her name she she says the name of her uh of i guess you could say her alter ego or the lie that she's living in which is the name of the boy uh so eventually the witch says well fine well you're going to die and she can't really fight uh the witch because the chi is being blocked the tree the chi is what gives her the power the to be able to fight and the chi is being blocked because she's living a line. The only way that she can have use her chi to the fullest potential is if she lives in truth. So she keeps lying. The witch says, fine, you're going to die living this lie. Or uh, so she ends up shooting her with the spear. Somehow she's protected and she wakes up. And then she sees that the only way for her to defeat this evil witch, to defeat evil, is to live in truth. And she does. Eventually, you see that Mulan goes off. And as she's riding off, she's taking off everything. All this armor, this shield, this weight that's holding her down. Interesting. The weight is heavy. Uh, the armor is heavy. 
everything that holds her back. Evil is a lie. Lies are evil. Which way you look at this? And the only way for her to be able to defeat the evil in the world is you can't fight evil with evil. You can't fight lies with lies. You have to fight evil with truth. So what does she do as she's she's riding off in the horse? She's taking off all the armor, which is weighing her down and is not allowing her to be truthful. It's, it's a beautiful analogy and beautiful uh, kind of this imagery that's done. And, and she's able to fight her best when she doesn't have all these lies weighing her down. Because what is the truth? The truth is she is not a man. The truth is she is a woman. And the only way for her to defeat evil is, stop, is to stop living this lie. And to be the woman that she is. That in being a woman, you can also be strong. You know, and, and as I had said in the last podcast, you have this imagery that that the woman is trying to be the man. And in trying to be the man, she's fighting a fight that's almost an uphill battle, a massive uphill battle. Uh, an incline that's almost impossible to climb while women has her own beauty i mean uh a woman uh, the woman is beautiful on on her own there's no need there is no need for the woman to try to be man she's already on a whole nother level herself the woman can do the closest thing that god can do you know you you see in the beginning how God creates man, right, in the Bible. The closest thing, or if you're an atheist, if you want to look at it from the Mother Nature standpoint, fine. Mother Nature creates humanity. But what can a woman do? A woman can, can hold in her womb a child and give life. She can grow life within her womb. I mean, man cannot do this. A woman can create the best food for a child, for a baby. There's no better food for a baby at the earliest stages than the milk of the mother. I mean, most doctors will say the best food for the baby is breast milk. So you're, you, you, the woman can hold in, in her womb the child for nine months and allow it to grow and give the best food in the world for a child i mean that's just that's just the foundation and the beginning stages of life and women can do so much more but we're not going to get into that because we already kind of got into that into the last podcast so you see this in the story of mulan is the only way to defeat evil is to live truth boom mulan magnificent and she does in the end you know, she's able to stand up with men by being herself, not by trying to be man. Now, next movie, Maleficent. The story of Maleficent is uh, an interesting story. I, I truly love uh, the story of Sleeping Beauty. So the story of Sleeping Beauty goes a little bit like this. Now, listen carefully to this one because this one is, is interesting. 
Sleeping Beauty that it's a king and a queen who are trying to have a child. They finally get the child and they are so ecstatic about this child. And they want to protect this child from all the evil things in the world. So what do they do? They have a massive party. And every come, everybody comes bearing gifts for this child that has been born in the kingdom. Now what happens? They invite every single person except for Maleficent. And Maleficent is the very, uh, it's the very epitome of evil. I mean, you think about that evil. That's what Maleficent is. The meaning of Maleficent is causing or capable of causing harm or destruction, especially by supernatural means. So this is Maleficent. She is the very essence of evil. And of course, like parents who are overprotective, they don't want no harm to come to their kids. So what do they do? They keep their child away from every single evil in the world. So what happens? Eventually, Maleficent finds out that a party is being thrown without her. So she walks in, she storms into the party, and she shows up unexpected, nobody uninvited. She comes in, and she stands here, and, and, and if you watch the story of Sleeping Beauty, Maleficent says, the gents, these people are here, everybody's here, and she names off all the good people. The depiction of the words, she literally, how she says it, is depicting that everybody is good. So everybody got invited, except for me. So what does she do? She puts a curse on the child. She says, on her 16th birthday, she's going to touch the needle of a spindle. Now, for those of you who are younger, the spindle is what creates the yarn, the line, right? The string for clothing. So, and there's a needle at the end of this spindle. So what happens? What do the king and queen do? They take away every single spindle in the kingdom. And eventually, uh, the fairies take Aurora, that's her name, the, 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 the daughter of the king and queen. They take Aurora, they put her away with the fairies to protect her. Eventually, her 16th birthday comes along. You know, she gets into a trance and she touches the needle of the spindle. And boom. She, she, she falls into a deep sleep. I mean, you think about this, that's really dumb. That something so small, like poking your finger on a needle is going to take you out of life. I mean, you, what, what kind of weak human being do you need to be that a needle will take you out? I mean, horrible. You have to be just incompetent. So you see this, uh, and this one is interesting to me because uh, you, you see uh, with parents, sometimes this gets like this. Parents will protect their children. Overprotective parents will protect their children. And they think, I can't let no evil touch them. I can't let no suffering enter their life because if suffering does, then I can't bear to see them hurt because it's my only child. But the truth is, we need to allow the child to see the evil. 
and to conduct themselves around the evil. Protect them from it, but allow them to see the truth of evil. Because the story would have been a little bit different if the king and queen had invited Maleficent to the party. They could have kept an eye on her. But the problem is, is with evil is evil is inevitable in this world. It's the most inevitable thing there is, evil. So what do you do? You keep evil at bay. It's there and you can control it. But if you don't, what happens is, just like in the movie, uh, Sleeping Beauty, Maleficent comes uninvited. Evil will come uninvited. And when it does, something so small, like a boyfriend breaking up, a girlfriend breaking up, or somebody, you know, there, there was a story a few years ago in a town nearby where I live where somebody had been denied to prom and shot themselves because they were denied to prom. I mean, something so small like the denial of you asking a girl to prom since you've never suffered, that will take you out. I mean, it's important. You see the child fall at first and you want to run over them to them and pick them up and say, everything's going to be okay. And sometimes we put more fear into the child than there needs to be. If you just tell the kid, no, it's okay, it's okay, and just kind of let them go off, that's the child's first suffering, that fall that he has. Then at five years old, it's the fact that he got punched by his older brother. Then at nine, ten years old, it's that their best friend found a new best friend. I mean, you can't protect them from all the evil in the world. You know, there, there's evils that there, there's different forms of of bad things that are going to happen in their life, sufferings, and you just have to teach them how to conduct themselves within those suffering, sufferings that they have. So you see this with Maleficent. Don't overprotect your child in this in this sense. Don't overprotect them. Teach them to take calculated risk. Keep evil at bay. Don't allow them to uh, entangle themselves in evil, but keep it at bay. You know, if they would have invited Maleficent, they could have kept an eye on her. Evil is inevitable. The story of Maleficent. Now, we enter the next story. The next one is the Lion King. So the Lion King goes like this. Now, many of you probably remember this. Uh, it goes Simba, Mufasa, Scar. Those are the three main characters in this movie. So Mufasa is teaching Simba about the circle of life. And what does he teach him? He teaches him that the circle of life is inevitable. Everybody has their part in the circle of life and everybody must do their job without getting out of line. So what happens is, you know, um, I think in the real life depiction, I think they do it a little bit better. But they say, Mufasa says to Simba, the antelope eats the grass. And uh, so, no, so we eat the antelope. The antelope eats the grass. And then when we die, we die on the grass and, and, and our body goes into the earth. And the antelope will eventually feed back off of us. 
I mean, that's an interesting way to look at it. It's a circle of life, you know, the antelope eats the grass, you know, the, the, the lions die since nobody eats them. They die. They feed, they feed the grass and then the, the, the lion eats the antelope. So it's a beautiful circle of life. I mean, it gets a lot deeper than that, but that's pretty much the gist of it. So Simba is, is explained to this, uh, this is explained to Simba. Now, eventually Scar comes along and he's jealous. He's jealous because his older brother is the king. So what does, um, what is it that Scar does? Scar uh, eventually has Mufasa killed, lies to Simba and says that it's his fault that his father died. Boom, the lie starts. Scar, uh, Simba leaves off. Now that Mufasa is dead, the king is dead. Now this Simba was the next heir. And because he's gone, the only heir to the throne and to Pride Rock is Scar. Scar takes over. And what happens? He promises the hyenas that they can eat all they want. And it's beautiful because you see the depiction in, um, in The Lion King. All, there's a, a massive drought in Pride Rock, in the Pride Lands. And all the grass is gone, All uh, and the herds leave. All the life leaves. So when they say the herds, think about that like life. All the life leaves. So what happens? Eventually, uh, Sarabi, which was Mufasa's wife, Scar calls, because in the animal kingdom, the female lions are the ones that hunt for the male lions. The male lions just kind of sit around. Whatever the female lions bring, they eat. So Scar calls, where is the food? And Sarabi says, well, all the herd have gone. He says, because there's been a drought. So the best thing that we need to do is to leave Pride Rock, leave the Pride Lands, and to go find a new land. And then she says, you'll never be as good of a king as Mufasa. You will never be a good leader like him. Because of you is why all this has happened. Now the hyenas are kind of being guided. They're, they're, they can be controlled by whoever is in charge of the king. And if the king allows them to live crazy and hectic, they will eat whatever comes their way. And hyenas won't stop. They continue to reproduce and they continue to eat. In the animal kingdom, you'll see them in herds of 10, 20, 30, and sometimes even up to 80. In, in, in the African uh, um, lands. So you see this, that the hyenas begin to eat everything. Now what happens? Eventually Simba comes back sees that Scar is in charge and he's destroyed everything, fights him, and then Scar tells him the truth, that it wasn't Simba who killed Mufasa, it was really Scar. Simba gets mad, and then he's about to kill, and then Scar says, listen, listen, it was the hyenas, they're the ones who made me do this. Now, eventually the hyenas find out, or overhear him saying that, so... When Simba kicks him out and Scar is left to himself, he's hoping the hyenas are going to help him. But the hyenas tell Scar, didn't you just call us the enemy? Didn't you just say that we were the cause of these problems? So they eventually end up eating Scar. 
Now, this is interesting because of the society that we're living in today, the circle of life. If you tell a lie long enough and lie long enough, eventually that lie will eat you up. You see uh, the hyenas kind of like this uh, like mob mentality. They'll eat. You, you tell them one thing, they believe it, and, and they'll follow that. But that lie will come back and eat you. And the hyenas are kind of the representation of this lie. That they'll just devour whoever's in their way. You know, um, there's an interesting story that just recently happened. So there's this uh, House of Representatives. And her name is Nancy Pelosi. Now, Nancy Pelosi... You see her, she's this older, old, old, older lady. She's been in, in the House of Representatives. She's been in, in this House Senate now for like 40-something years, if I'm not mistaken. Going on to 50, or she just hit her 50th. Anyways, besides the point. Um, and with this whole mask mandate that's happening during COVID-19, what does she say? She says, masks are mandatory. Every business must have a mask. You know, it's... it's uh, it's unfathomable that you don't wear a mask. It's bad that you're not wearing a mask and you should you should be uh, ridiculed and you, sh- you are a bad person. So she goes off making these big moral speeches about how if you're not wearing a mask and making you feel bad and you should be fine, you know, and, uh, you know, sh- she begins to say all this, which, you know, it's kind of taken away a little bit of the freedom of the people on wearing masks. Now, what happens? She doesn't believe it herself. You know, if people believed what it is that they're saying, they will follow their own mandate. And you can more or less tell when somebody's lying about something because they will say a moral. And if they don't believe it themselves, they won't follow the rule themselves. This is very interesting. Always remember this. Somebody who strongly believes something, they will follow those rules because they believe it to the core of their soul that it's the right thing to do. It's what allows them to be a good human being. Remember this. A person who doesn't believe it will eventually break that law that they created themselves because they see themselves as the highest form of power or they don't believe themselves. They, they don't believe it themselves what they are saying. Now, Nancy Pelosi eventually goes to get her hair done. Now, what happens? As she's getting her hair done, she doesn't wear a mask. And the owner of the uh, the salon exploits her and says she wasn't wearing a mask. Everybody begins to attack her and says, you've been telling us to wear a mask. You've been telling us these, these numbers, these datas. You've been making us feel bad. You've been putting out these fines. You're telling everybody to not go to the salons and the restaurants to wear the masks that you're spreading COVID, all this stuff. But you yourself are not following this rule. You are caught without a mask and no social distancing. I mean, and, and, and what happens? Now the people that she fed this lie to begin to attack her. Think about it. Scar feeds the lies to the hyenas and the hyenas eventually come back to eat him. The lie that you tell, say it long enough and don't allow the truth to come out. That lie will eventually come back to eat you up. It's interesting because 
if you see the story of the Lion King, when Scar is speaking to the hyenas, he, you know, the hyenas represent evil. They represent this bad. Uh, they'll eat themselves up. You know, you, if you look on YouTube, you know, you put hyenas, you, you'll see videos of hyenas eating themselves. As soon as they die, boom, they eat the, the hyena up right away. So you see this as lion as 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 Scar is giving the speech, you know it's kind of like this Stalin regime, this Hitler regime, because you see the hyenas marching, you know, in an orderly fashion, in front of the dictator, which is Scar. Now, if you think of Stalin, you think of Hitler, and you think of. Um, this guy in China, you know, right now the, the name isn't clicking to me, but they make their soldiers walk out into the streets, into these wide streets, marching in such an orderly fashion and showing the power that they have because they have no power like Scar, who's being controlled by Mufasa, not controlled, but he's being kept at bay by Mufasa. You know, what, what does he do? He goes off and he shows his power. Look what I can control. I'm the leader. I'm the big guy. Look at all this that I have. And you see this within Lion King that the hyenas start marching as he's singing his song. The hyenas are marching in the same orderly fashion as the Hitler regime, the Stalin regime, and then this man in China, North Korea, all of them, where they have to show, they have to make this overemphasis of the power that they have because they don't feel that they're the most powerful ones. You know, it's kind of like a showboating that they do because they don't really have the power. Interesting. The Lion King. It kind of touches on our uh, society right now. Now, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast is a great one. Um, this was this one in Aladdin were one of my personal favorites. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, the story goes that there's this king. This king has everything. Uh, he has land. He has money. He has food. All the people, uh, the rich, the snobby people are with him. They do whatever he says, whatever he wants, just to be with him, just to live in this big, magnificent castle and just be there with him in the balls and everything. So he has everything. Uh, the looks, everything. Along comes this witch. She knocks on the door. She asks for a little bit of something. He denies her and says how ugly she is. Eventually, she asks one more time. He denies her again. And she puts a curse on him that turns him into a beast. Now, what does... Um, what happens? Eventually, this girl, Belle, comes along. And Belle uh, goes after her father because her father gets trapped inside of the castle with the beast she finds out that her father's in there she offers the beast i'll listen i'll replace you i'll replace my father and you can take me as your prisoner the beast accepts it they switch now you got to kind of watch the movie to to understand this a little bit deeper but it's a great story now eventually what happens is the father goes off uh Belle stays in the castle. Belle comes to find out that everything is alive in the castle. So she sees that the candles are alive, the plates are alive, the teapots are alive, uh, the clocks are alive, the furniture is alive, the mops are alive, the buckets, everything is alive. So what happens? 
the beast, uh, in order for this curse to be taken away from him, he must love. He must fall in love. He must love somebody and somebody must love him. Now, this is interesting because um, a lot of the times what we what we do is we think that we can just uh, I don't want to say everybody, but there is some people out there that think that they can walk around life treating people however they want to treat them. You know, and there's this interesting uh, saying that says, never burn a bridge because you never know when you'll have to cross the bridge. And the beast, until he can learn to love, will the spell be taken uh, off of him. Now, what happens is that uh, eventually he does fall in love and everything uh, comes back to life. Uh the bell falls in love with him and he falls in love with her and right as he's about to die more or less the spell gets lifted off of him and he turns from a beast back into this uh handsome young prince or king more or less to say i don't know which one of the two so uh the story of beauty and the beast is a great moral story because sometimes you know, uh, we need to treat people in our lives like the essential tools that we use every day. The beast uses the fork, the spoon, the teapots, the candle to light his path, the clock to see the time, the furniture to hold his clothes. I mean, we need to treat the essential people of our lives, the doctors, the barbers, the medics, uh, the mechanics, the, the cooks, the waiters, it's essential that we treat these people with dignity, with love, that we never see them as inferior to us because these are the very people that, uh, that, that are essential workers in our lives that kind of feed us. We feed them, they feed us. You know, we kind of scratch each other's backs. And you never know when, uh, you know, when you will need to cross these bridges this is why I had said, you know, when you cross a bridge, don't burn it because you never know when you're going to need to come back and cross that bridge again. You know, with Beauty and the Beast, until we begin to see other, all the human beings in our lives, like the essential fork that we use every day, you know, we'll never allow the other person to live. You know, when you can see them for who they are, you give them life. This is interesting because... Um, to recognize these people and to give them credit, you know, to love them is to see them. You know, when you treat somebody with hatred, which is the complete opposite of love, you know, you kind of take away the essence of their humanity. You know, I mean, it's kind of weak for somebody to just roll over and die just because you don't see them. But you can, you'd be surprised how many times there's somebody's going through a difficult life for a weak person. You know, when, when you have such a higher moral ground or a better life or a happier life it doesn't mean that you can treat the things that are beneath you like garbage this is what the beast does the beast treats the things that seem like nothing to him he treats them like garbage the candle the forks the plates the teapots the clock he just uses them and moves on but this isn't it you know we can't just walk around using people 
friends, family, uh, aunts, uncles, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters. You know, sometimes these people are, are so desperate for love themselves that they're willing to do whatever it takes to have your love. Because they see you as a higher in, in the higher ladder of the of the hierarchy, the high, and they see you as a, in, in a higher part of the ladder in the hierarchy. So they see you as happy, as as fulfilled, even though you're not. They see you that way. So because they want to be like you and they want to have a little bit of your life, they want to be your friends. And if you treat these people like garbage, you know what happens. You know, they're the very things that feed you, that take care of you. So you never know what's going to happen. You destroy the plate. Where are you going to eat? You break the fork. What are you going to eat with? Kill the candle. You know, how are you going to see? Break the clock. How are you going to tell time? You know, sometimes treating these people with dignity and with love gives them life. And in Beauty and the Beast, until he can treat all these objects and Belle, which is the girl, until he can treat everybody with love, until he can learn to love and somebody can love him for who he is, then he can bring back life to every single object in that castle. You know, this is interesting. People will love us when we can be who we're supposed to be. People will love us when we treat others with love. I mean, you could be the best looking person in the world, but if you are a piece of garbage, then it's hard for any girl to love you, for any guy to love you. You know, this is this is a, a, an, an interesting thing. If you haven't found love in your life, I mean, aside from other parts or other things, um, one of the main reasons is because maybe you're just not that good of a human being and it's hard to be around you. You know, this is a very big reason. If you're if you're a decent looking person and you haven't found love, you, these are one of the reasons why it's good to check yourself. So uh, you see this with Beauty and the Beast. Interesting. I, I love the moral of that story. You know, treat everything around you with dignity and love so you can give them life. You know, you can inject a little bit of love when you're when you're nice to another human being. Be nice to your waiter because you never know if they had a bad day. Be nice to your brother, your sister, a friend, a person walking in the street. Be nice to them. Say, hey, good morning. As you walk by somebody, just look at them and say, good morning. You'd be surprised how many people nowadays walk by each other without saying good morning. They walk by a coworker, you know. You know, my, you know, my workers kind of put me in check. I walk in and sometimes, you know, like I'm just in my zone and they say good morning. And if I don't, you know, kind of say good morning to them, they tell me, oh, Juan didn't say good morning. Look at you. You think Mr. King and it kind of puts me in check and I like it. Um, so it's a great thing. Now, Aladdin, the story of Aladdin is another another one of my favorites. Aladdin is a young boy who lost his mother and his father. And he's like a street rat. He's just going around stealing whatever he can, hoping to give himself a better life. Um, you see when he's kind of after uh, uh, Aladdin, uh, he dreams, you know, he has this little, uh, in the beginning of the movie, he steals some food and in stealing this food, 
the guards are chasing him around. He finally gets away from them. And uh, somebody ends up calling him a street rat. And as he goes back to his his home, his humble abode, uh, he's kind of saying, he's singing this song. You know, will they see this poor boy? Will anybody ever see me? He says, kind of in the song. And he goes up to his home and he looks off into this distance and he sees this huge castle in which um, the, the king and the princess are living in. And he says, you know, like, like, look a boo, like that could be us like one day, kind of just dreaming about being at this castle one day. And eventually the opportunity comes along and he has to go steal this, this lamp, this genie, this lamp. And as he goes to steal, he eventually gets caught in the cave. The genie comes out and tells him that he can make three wishes. You know, uh, he can't make somebody fall in love. He can't ask for more wishes and he can't bring somebody back from the dead. Those are the three things he can't do. Other than that, everything is within his reach. So what happens? He falls in love with this girl. And what does he do? Because he's in love with this girl and he wants to be with her so bad. He asks the genie to portray this image that he's a prince. That's his first wish. To be somebody that he's not. Now this is interesting because the definition of genie derives, uh, the, the word genie derives from genius. And it's interesting because all this power, all this greatness is stuck inside of this little lamp. This genie, this almighty powerful genie is just trapped inside of this lamp. And this is, I like the analogy that's kind of made here because um, we all have a genie inside of us. Every single one of us have a genie inside of us. And in order to let this genie out, in order to let this genie be, you know, uh, to let this inner genius inside of us to be, we need to let them free you know sometimes we take this genie and we kind of lie about it a little bit and we try to portray something that we're not because in hopes to gain status uh love maybe uh with our families i don't know what it may be but you you take the genius that you have and you use it in the wrong way and the only way for you to find love, the only way for you to defeat evil, the only way for you to um, be the best possible person that you need to be is to free that inner genius inside of you. And this is depicted very well within Aladdin because what happens is that at the end, once he defeats the evil person, um, he defeats, uh, what's his name, Jafar. Once he defeats Jafar, he tells the genie, because now he's at the last and final wish, and the genie's ready to give him his wish. And he says, Aladdin, I uh, genie, I wish for you to be free. And he frees him because Aladdin sees that he doesn't need the genie. He sees that in the end, 
you know, him just being himself, finding the natural goodness within him, the natural abilities that he has is what allows him to find love and to conquer evil, not by lying to himself and being something that he's not. How does he defeat the almighty Jafar? By using his ways and his tactics to win. Is to see that he was just a street rat. You know, and, and this is interesting because uh, don't worry about seeing somebody else. Don't worry about trying to compete with somebody else. You know, sometimes we see these figures in Instagram and we see these people in our lives or we see this superstar or this athlete and we think that in order to be happy we need to be like them you see lebron james you see p diddy you see a jennifer lopez you see a kanye west you see somebody out there and you think i need to be just like them to be happy to get the things that i want in life and you don't need to be you really don't just be yourself you know uh by being yourself that's what's going to bring the best possible life to your existence don't live a lie you know i i said this in one of the podcasts just be truthful i mean obviously lying doesn't bring the best possible life to fruition so you see the same thing here just be your yourself because maybe what brought the this big status of life to these people was the difficulties that they went through. I mean, you listen to the difficulties that some of these people went through, celebrities, famous stars, whatever they may be. I mean, they went through massive suffering, but they accepted that as part of their life and they saw that that's what allowed them to persevere and be better people. Look at whatever difficulty you went through in your life and accept it because that's what's going to allow you to be the best possible person that you can be. You know, uh, don't compete with anybody else. The only person you should compete with is yourself. Be better than who you were yesterday. Don't be better than the worker that's next to you because maybe he's a little bit stronger and perseveres a little bit more because of his history. So it's not an equal opportunity between the two of you. I mean, it's, you're starting off in totally different lanes at totally different distances of your in points of your life. You know, be yourself. Be better than who you were yesterday. And Aladdin realizes this. And that's how he's able to free the inner genius within himself. That's how he's able to free this genie. He sees that he can be the best possible person without this genie. And that's how he's able to free this genius within him. Beautiful. I mean, it's amazing. The story of Aladdin. Final. Final story, and we finish with this, Rapunzel. The Rapunzel story is based on the story of uh, St. Barbara. Now, what happens is Rapunzel, uh, I'm going to give you kind of a little bit of both um, on the story of Rapunzel with Tangled. So Disney, because I'm doing Disney movies. So um, Rapunzel has this long hair. Uh, the, the original story is... Uh, it goes that the king had a beautiful daughter and he locks her away in this tower so that no man can get to her. Now, on the story of Tangled, because this is what we're going to be doing the comparison to, on the story of Tangled, it goes that 
the king has a daughter and the daughter uh, gets sick and the only way to cure her is for them to take this flower that is planted in the ground and take this flower and uh, use it on this daughter because the flower has these magical powers that can cure so as they use it on the daughter the daughter has this hair that has now these magical powers you sing this song and it kind of heals whatever is wounded uh, it mends whatever time has maybe broken I guess you could say or or evil has done now uh, eventually this this mad witch this mad lady comes along and what does she do she steals the king and queen's daughter which is Rapunzel and takes her off and hides her in this tower now what happens the mother begins to lie to Rapunzel now Rapunzel at this point has really 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 long hair I mean hair just ridiculously long I mean it goes everywhere it's in books it's all it's all over the books the counter the bed you know uh the stairs the floor the kitchen you know it's throughout the staircase I mean it's everywhere at once that's how long the, the, this hair is now and the hair is golden like a, this this golden blonde now the sun which gave the, the the flower which gave her this power if you look at it it's kind of like the image of a sun and you see that rapunzel constantly paints the sun everywhere and this golden blonde hair symbolizes you know the color of golden blonde it kind of symbolizes the sun in many retrospects and many uh uh historical contexts from uh philosophy to different points of view in many different cultures it kind of represents the sun this golden blonde this yellow and you see rapunzel constantly painting this everywhere so you see this and uh so so anyways uh so this lady is kind of constantly you know since if she doesn't comb or brush through rapunzel's hair she kind of withers away and dies and it's interesting because the the mother can't let her find out the truth that she has been stolen because if she does you know if she does uh find that out that she's gonna run off so and if she can't let her out because if she lets her out then the villagers the people after speaking with her will find out that she is the little girl that was stolen from the king and queen so the only way to protect this lie is for her to stay trapped inside of the tower you know now eventually this long hair um we said i said that it, it represents like us the the sun it symbolizes the sun and, and you see the depictions in the movie but it also that long hair you know it's like it's, it represents almost like these long massive lies you know this 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 because the lie you know you can until you tell the truth you can't cut away from it it's just impossible so you're kind of enslaved to this you know so that long hair also represents her slavery to this woman you know without her really knowing it eventually this young man eugene comes along eugene 
uh, ends up getting trapped by her and she pretty much ends up saying I need you to take me to go to see these lights because she sees that these lights always come out during a certain time of the year and it always comes out so you know what uh, I want you to take me to these lights so in order for him to be freed and she has you know this crown that he stole so she says I'll give it back to you in the moment that I that you take me out and take me to these lights I'll give you the crown he says okay finally she goes off the mom comes back uh, you know after going out one day you know Rapunzel sneaks off with Eugene the mom comes back looks inside the tower sees that she's not there so she's been telling the daughter all this time that the world is evil that the world is a bad place that's what she's been telling uh, Rapunzel this whole time and Rapunzel has believed that the world is such an evil place but because Rapunzel you know most of the times as a young person if somebody keeps you trapped inside of a house and all they're doing is telling you the world is evil and the world will take you and snatch you up and they'll kill you and you're constantly depicting the world as such an evil thing and destructive I mean when you walk out of your house you're not walking out to this comment of Armageddon about to smack you in the face or you know you don't step out into the street and the first thing you find is some guy that comes up to you and spits on you or somebody that beats you up I mean usually it's going to take a few days for you to encounter yourself with an evil I mean you could be let off into the streets and it'll take hours and maybe until midnight when you're in the middle of nowhere and you're putting yourself in a bad situation to encounter yourself with evil but overall, you know, the world is, is, is in, in retrospect, in, in, in a general view, the world is a good place. I mean, you have evil, but to say that the whole world is evil? I mean, some parents do this. They lie to their children at young ages and tell them everybody's evil, everybody's a bad thing, everything is bad, and don't do this because this is bad. Don't, because they just want to overprotect them. But here's the problem. The second that the child walks out and he spends a few hours outside or a few days or even a few weeks, he realizes that his mom lied to him. Now, the world is evil. And, and because he's naive to the world and his mother never taught him the truth or his father never taught him the truth about how the world is evil and all the bad things that can happen, because they wanted to overprotect them from evil, just like in the story of Sleeping Beauty with Maleficent. Rapunzel walks out there and sees that the world is not as evil as what her mother made it out to be. Now, eventually, she does encounter herself with uh, a little bit of evil, which is Eugene. And then her mom takes advantage of this and says, look, I told you, come back home. Eventually, she comes back, she traps her, and she says, you're never getting out. That's it. You're stuck here. And she ends up stabbing uh, Eugene, which is the boyfriend who comes back to save her. He ends up stabbing him, and Rapunzel is begging the mother, please let me just heal him. Let me just heal him, and then I promise I'll be a slave to you. I'll never leave this tower. Just let me heal him and let him be free because she's fallen in love with this young man, Eugene. So what happens? She eventually... Uh, the mother says fine she chains him up and Rapunzel goes over and heals tries to heal Eugene because he's been stabbed by the mother the evil mother so what happens uh, Eugene is faced with a choice he can either 
heal himself, allow himself to be healed by Rapunzel, or he can cut off her hair and free her from the slavery because if he cuts off her hair, the hair loses its powers. And if the hair loses its powers, then the mother has no use for Rapunzel and she can be free again. So he has two choices, be healed and he can leave and walk away scot-free and Rapunzel is trapped with the evil mother or he can cut off her hair and free her from the slavery and he dies and the mother has no use and she can walk away scot-free. What does Eugene choose? He chooses to cut her hair off to free her from the slavery. Now, remember, I had told you that that long hair represented the length of the lies and how long these lies went and how it became her slavery. She was trapped because of this cure that the hair could do. It trapped her in this slavery. Interesting to see this, you know, that he decides to free her from this slavery. So we see this. Don't lie to your children. Tell them the truth. Now, notice all the movies that I told you. All the all the great Disney movies. These are all great Disney movies. All of them. Cinderella is like this. Uh, Sleeping Beauty. Uh, I, I mean, The Jungle Book. Jeez, uh, uh, I mean, how many movies, you know, from Aladdin to Sleeping Beauty to uh, all these great Disney movies. I mean, whatever one you see that's a great Disney movie, the reason why movies are so successful is because in some way, shape, or form, we can relate to them. And when you can relate to something, it touches you more. And you feel a lot more uh, connected to the movie. And especially if it's got good music and good artwork, oh my God, you're sold but usually a good story is usually uh, connected with real life. The reason why we watch movies is because they have a connection, this symbolism to the reality of our life in which we live in or whatever it may be. You know, there's certain movies that will impact certain countries more because they're living that situation in war or in some type of political uh situation that they find themselves in or maybe some poverty and it touches certain countries more and maybe it won't touch another country but the reason why it impacts and is so big in another country is because they are so connected to that movie this is why uh, if you watch something if you watch some show and you have a big connection and you're a big advocate for it and you love it well usually it's got a big connection with you um and the reason why these disney movies hit so strong is because they hit to something that we all relate to and that we all strive for and we teach our children in which is truth rapunzel the mother lies to her sleeping beauty the truth is what that in sacrificing your life for another and giving your life for another that is love you know, to see somebody for who they are, that's the truth. In uh, Aladdin, you know, the truth is the person that he is makes him the greatest possible person he can be. You know, in Lion King, if he just, if Scar would have just told the truth, he wouldn't have been in that trouble. But the lies is what came back to bite him in the butt. 
uh, Maleficent. The truth is you can't hide your child away from every evil in the world. You know, you have to keep evil at bay. You can't protect them from all of it because eventually evil will come in like this monster to devour you. Mulan, you know, the, the truth is you're a woman and you're not a man and you'll never be a man. And until you can accept that truth, can you defeat evil? Uh, Cinderella, I mean, it's the story of, you know, she, she, she portrays something that she's not. You know, the pumpkin turns into the carriage, the rats turn into horses, you know, her, you know, this fairy. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, like, and the, the, the truth is that this lie will eventually end. And at 12 o'clock midnight, everything turns back to what it wasn't. <clears throat> everything is truth. You know, uh, and I think this is why the older Disney movies hit even stronger and they're still such iconic movies. There's Disney had such iconic movies in the early 90s. I mean, literally, those were the movies that saved Disney productions. I mean, th th those movies that I kind of just hit on, you know, besides Rapunzel in the 90s, those were the movies that saved Disney productions. They say it themselves. If you watch a lot of the documentaries, they say these are the movies that saved us. We were at the point of just like giving up. You watch a lot of their, their documentaries. And the reason why they hit so strong is the, because they speak truth. And truth is immutable. As much as you try to hide the truth truth will always seep through and because it's filled those movies are filled with so much truth even the people that are living lies in their own life still seek for those lives to be lived within themselves interesting so me and my family were going to disney and i figured i would do this podcast and anybody who liked and made it all the way to the end maybe you got halfway through maybe some people got halfway through this and were like ah, i don't care about disney juan has done some other things that are better but i wanted to do disney i think there's a lot of good uh moral stories within some of these disney movies um and, and, and I could do this with a, with a lot of them, but these are the ones that impacted me the most and the ones that I liked and the ones that had deep meaning and deep stories within them. So that's why I did these. And since we're going to be in Disney uh, first and second weeks of December, I wanted to uh, kind of set us off into this whole Disney mode, this Disney mood, kind of get us started. Um, I would like, I would hope if anybody hears this podcast to... Um, to to hit me up, you know, uh, post a comment down on the on the podcast app on Apple Podcasts. You know, you can just make a username and rate it. You know, rate it five stars uh, if you like it. Subscribe uh, and then put what you liked about it. And if you wanted to do an ad, you can just say something right on there. Um, or uh, I'm looking to trying to get in an interview or speak with somebody big on Disney. Uh, that's kind of like my hopes is by the time I go down there to Disney World in Florida, hopefully I can get myself a good interview and be able to speak with somebody in Disney. I would like for that to happen or maybe in the nearby future uh, work something out. So if anybody knows anybody can hook up with some connections, I would love to have that Um 
So I hope you like this podcast. I hope they found it interesting. I hope you can go back and watch all these movies. Um, or if you would like to listen to the to these parts first and then go back and watch it. I mean, hopefully it gives you a little more interest or maybe you're going to want to go back to watch it. So um, this was my take on the Disney movies and I hope you liked it. God bless.